Hi, Chris Holland here. What you're about to listen to is a reboot of Stomp Tokyo, the cult movies podcast. Uh, it's been a couple of years since Scott and I have done this, so if you hear any uh, flaws in the audio, please forgive them. We're going to get our technical stuff back up to snuff soon, and hope you enjoy. This is it. We're back. It's Stomp Tokyo, the cult movies podcast. I'm Chris Holland. I'm Scott Hamilton. And it's been over three years since we last did this. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, it's been a while. Yeah, it's you know, small hiatus. <laughs> spread it out. That's right. Keep, wanna... keep them hungry. Make them want more. <laughs> By now, they should really, really, really not want to hear from us ever again. That's okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're back. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll do this fairly regularly. Semi-regularly. Monday nights are good for me. Monday, okay. Do a weekly Monday night thing. Okay. Have the rest of the week to totally blow it off and upload it like on Friday when it's completely not useful anymore. <laughs> sure. I mean, I don't know how much, how much uh, really current stuff we, we're going to be talking about because it is cult movies. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, unless we want to talk about, oh, my God, the, uh, the poster for The Expendables 2 just dropped, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't, don't think it's any accident that, um, you know, we stopped recording right about the time that my first daughter turned two. Mm-hmm. Because that's when she started consuming media. Uh-huh. And so, getting mobile. But, and, oh. and, and being mobile and, you know, just a whole bunch of different things. and. Now, not only is she even older and therefore more aware of the things coming in through the television, but um, I have another little girl, <laughs> so this cycle is just going to get worse. So if you want to know about the latest kids' movies coming out, I can uh-huh. definitely tell you. And maybe, maybe we'll turn that into a segment. Maybe the, yes. you know, it'll be you know, parentally safe movies for, for people to see. Because we're not the only ones who have gotten older. Some of our yes. audience members must be, you know burgeoning parents by now and it will be how to watch happy feet 2 and not kill yourself so you know what i actually saw happy feet 2 uh-huh one of my uh sort of side gigs is writing about upcoming kids movies for a local movie blog and um i got to go to a press screening of happy feet 2 and arthur christmas ah okay i was not lucky enough to get to go to the muppets but no you know what i'm gonna take the whole family to see that anyway so uh, that's that's gonna be a must go if the movie is just a fraction as good as the trailers have been it's gonna be pretty good oh, I, you know I, there were some other folks in the press screening of arthur christmas who are like some female local movie bloggers and they, they clearly had a little gossip like group going um, and they'd seen it, and they were just could not shut up about it to the point where I was like trying to ignore them because they were <laughs> so enthusiastic about how how good it was. So, you know, expectations way way up, which means it's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, it. I don't know. It looks pretty funny, yeah. and you know, it looks like they have the right attitude going in. Um, I think so. You know. I, I read the the Entertainment Weekly article about the production and how it came to be. And, um, you know, the only one, the only holdout it looks like was Frank Oz. And uh, he strikes me as becoming surlier and surlier every, with every passing year. So I'm not sure that 
you know, I'm too bothered by the lack of endorsement from Frank Oz. <laughs> yeah. Frank Oz, um, who did Bert and Miss Piggy and... Um, well, Grover. Grover, yeah. Um, um, but that's not really a Muppet, but... Sure he is. Grover's a Muppet. Well, yeah, he's a Muppet. He's not. Sesame Street Muppets are Muppets, just not Muppet Show Muppets. True. Um, I mean, hell, if you can call the damn Fraggles Muppets. <laughs> I don't call Fraggles Muppets. Fraggles are Fraggles. Oh, Fraggles are Muppets. Okay. I'm pretty sure if you ask any of the people who work on, like, all three of those shows, Fraggles are Muppets. Okay. But let's get back to the... the you know, things up people's butts. Have you seen the Expendables 2 poster? Um, the Expendables. That was the movie with, like, all of the really old action stars doing it one last time, right? Yes, that was that was that one. Oh, you know what we need to start keeping track of now is, um, is show notes. Oh, okay. Um, do you want to take notes on this so we remember to put things in show notes? Um, can we, can we do that in the chat log, I wonder? Ooh, probably a good idea. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes, we will. We will do do that as a chat log. Please ignore. <laughs> pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the curtain. Okay. Good. Show notes. Um. Oh, wait. Okay. So who have we got going on here? Stallone up front. We got yes. Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis. Uh, that's Chuck Norris in the center there, right? That is correct. Um, is that Dolph Lundgren on the far right? Yes, that is Dolph Lundgren. That's Jean-Claude Van Damme at the top. Yes. Um, who is that in the middle with the the long dark hair? Is that, it's not, is that a woman? Uh, apparently that, that is a, that is woman. That is Yunnan, who is, who is in the movie. Um, she's not an action star. I don't yeah. know what she's doing in this movie or why she got the poster and Jet Li did not. I was about to say, I'm, I'm looking at her, I'm going like, that's not Jet, that couldn't be Jet Li, uh, but... You know, it's kind of a tiny little image. Okay, so who's that in front of her? Uh, that's uh, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. And then the big black dude in the back? It is either Randy Couture or Terry Crews. I honestly can't remember which wrestler is rich. <laughs> you know, I think Jet Li got, got the best part of the deal. So so what enrages you about this? Well, besides the fact that Jet Li is on the poster, uh, it, it, it just that really Chuck Doris and Jean-Claude Van Damme, this is going to be even I don't know, even more of a wax museum than the first one was. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, they uh, couldn't even Photoshop out Stallone's double chin. No. Yeah. And uh, Ed, uh, it looks like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger has his raw deal haircut. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, holy crap. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his son, his illegitimate son... Uh, Gave him some tips on how to. No, that's that was just hitting below the belt, I guess. And old news. Yeah. All right. So yes, this does look terrible. How was the first one? I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like it at all. I mean, it it made huge money, which surprised the hell out of me. I must say. Mm. Um, but I didn't think the action scenes were very good. Um, I don't know. Maybe the next one will. Be, I mean, this how one could it be? I mean. I, these guys are all like sixty-five years old. <laughs> yeah, you know that's less of a problem, though. It, you know, you could still do pretty good action scenes, and uh, I just didn't think that the first one, first one had that. You know, it was really a throwback to the '80s yeah. in the way that it was filmed, it, but not in a good way. Not in a good way. In the show, this person shooting, show that person shooting, show the first person falling down. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Just. 
I don't know. I think it's really sad when people who are too old to do really physical stuff feel like, you know, they can still do that and get away with it. I mean, have you seen the, the, um, oh, crap. They're like insurance commercials or something with, uh, with Jackie Chan. Um, yeah, he's doing some new ones for like V8. Is yes, that the ones you're talking they about? Are. They're V8. Yeah, they're like for, I don't know what, exactly what they're for. But, uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And, you know, yes, Jackie Chan has gotten kind of beyond that point. Well, I mean, it's like comically bad, you know? Yeah. Um, just. Yeah, I mean, you can really tell he's not doing any of those stunts. They're, like, computer-animated to a weird degree. Yeah, don't like him. Don't uh, like him. It, in, in his defense, though, in his movies, at least in, in China, you know, he hasn't really been doing stunt-filled movies anymore. Right. So, you know, yeah, he, he know. has segued into acting. I'm, I'm not against the man making a buck. Yeah. You know, like, you want to do a V8? It's, I guess it's like... Uh, American stars doing cheesy commercials in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie Chan gets to come over here and do crap commercials, make a few bucks for his next movie, and no one in China is any the wiser. Oh, you know what? That that reminds me. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Um, Oh, yeah, here we go. You need to see this. Okay. Um, I don't think this is going to be in English, but it really shouldn't matter. Let me send it is to this, you. Uh, something I'm watching or something? It's a YouTube video. A YouTube video. Okay. All right. All right. And we'll put this in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to maybe describe it a little bit for those people who aren't watching with me? Um. Well, I. I do not. I do not entirely. So it starts out with this kind of. The, the series of commercials is this kind of like hapless 30-year-old guy who I think he's unemployed in one of the earlier commercials. There's like a whole series of these. Um, and some of them feature the cartoon cat uh, Doraemon. And then in this particular commercial, as you will see, uh, Doraemon comes to life as a live-action character. So that's what you you need to watch. Uh-huh. And okay, so I'm about fifty seconds in here, and yeah, this is weird. the movies and never mind um which by the way was like the the first non first and last non-pixar movie to win best animated film in, was happy feet was happy uh, feet. yeah 2006 wow. it was the same year cars came out huh and it beat cars and then every film since then has been a pixar film wow 
I don't okay. think this one is going to take anything away from Pixar this year. I don't know. I didn't Although, think. I guess Cars 2 was Pixar's entry, but anyway. Surely, I didn't think, didn't think Happy Feet film than, than Happy Feet 2. Uh, what did Disney do this year? Was Tangled this year, or was that last year? Tangled was... Probably last year. Last year was out Thanksgiving last year. Yeah. Tangled deserved an Oscar, quite honestly. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was great. So good. Um, but I will say, um, Arthur Christmas is probably better if if any film is going to take it away from from Cars Two, and I don't think Cars Two particularly deserves an Oscar. I think Arthur Christmas is right up there. It's Argman Animation's new film. Yeah, I saw the trailers. Um, uh, well, I mean, if you look at like like who's writing it and who's in it and I mean it's just a, a fantastic little movie um, and I saw it with Elizabeth the other day and it's you know it's it's the real deal it's the first animated Christmas movie I've seen in a while that I thought wow that's that's really good so uh, that's that's cool I'll, I'll definitely check that out um, I mean it's got uh, Jim Broadbent and um, you know it was um, directed by a woman, which I thought was really interesting. I think it would be a shorter list to name the the British movies that Jim Broadbent isn't in. So, <laughs> so well, was, was okay. it? But yeah. the, the guy who wrote it, it wrote um, Bruno and Borat. Oh yeah, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it, it wasn't Ali G. It wasn't uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. No, no, it was no, someone else. It was not Sasha Baron Cohen. Okay, but we can segue through Sasha Baron Cohen to. Um, Hugo. Oh, yes. Yes. That's coming out on Wednesday, isn't it? Yes, which I think of any of the um, the Christmas movies that are coming out, Hugo is probably the one that cult movie people are going to want to go see. Yeah. Um, have you seen it already? I have not. Um, okay. It looks really, really interesting. A lot of film history there. Um, if you um, go back and look at... Um, uh, Scorsese's interview with on the Daily Show. On the Daily Show. Yeah, that was what sold me on it. I was like, "Wait, this is about George Millay? That's right. It's great. Right. Uh, yeah, that sounded like really interesting." So we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the show notes. Um, but yeah, not having seen it, can't comment on it too much. It's in 3D. Um, 3D movies kind of make my eyes bleed. Although I will say, interestingly enough, um, that. Arthur Christmas was really well done. The 3D did not bother me at all. Um, unlike, well, unlike Happy Feet, which made me want to take a hammer to my own skull. Hmm. I mean, it it definitely seems like there are there are good 3D movies and and bad 3D movies. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I just would never suggest going to any of the movies that are a conversion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that just does not seem to work. Yeah. Um, you know, I went and saw the the Three Musketeers 3D, and the 3D in that was actually pretty good. Um, I don't know that it needed to be in 3D, but there you have it. I'll be interested to see what they do with um, the Harold and Kumar Christmas movie in 3D. Yeah, I mean, some of the um, the 3D trailer stuff has been interesting. Yeah. Um, in, in that they're actually making fun of the fact that it's a 3D movie, but whatever. I haven't paid to see any of the Harold and Kumar movies yet, and I don't think I'm going to start, so... Nah, well, you know, potheads like you really pay, pay for anything <laughs> except weeds, so... <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, and especially the first one, the only funny part was 
was the Neil Patrick Harris bit. I mean, as, as far as I was concerned. Yeah. I, I like the that. second one a little bit better. I can see that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, so let's see. Also, the Muppet movie is out, which we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll we'll both have seen that by next week. Yes. And... The current plans to go on Wednesday. I should really look into some tickets for that. Yeah. And is there anything else this weekend? Probably not. I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing really worth mentioning. Certainly nothing in the cult movies realm. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, the, you know, if we're going to, the biggest cult movie news recently, um, I think is, has easily been, uh, that, uh, Criterion is doing Godzilla. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. That'll be coming out in uh, January. I think I did hear that. Yeah. Um, so what is Criterion going to bring to the party that, you know, the previous editions, I mean, cause the, the last set that came out was not bad. No, no. I mean, there are, there are actually two really good versions of Godzilla out already. You know, there's a British BFI version. Um, and then there was the, the one from classic media and both of them had, had extras and, commentaries and whatnot. So the Criterion version is going to have a, a new commentary by David Callett, who wrote uh, the critical filmography of the Toho Monster movies or, or whatever, whatever the full name of that book was. Um, but more to the point, um, they're going to do a full restoration on the film. Uh, Interesting. Which, um, you know, if, if this is getting kind of kind of detailed and inside baseball, but, you know, they did this before with uh, Seven Samurai, where Toho doesn't do a very good job of keeping their, you know, didn't do a very good job of keeping their uh, their prints in good condition. And so Criterion did, you know, this full restoration of Seven Samurai. So the version that they released on DVD back in 2000 or whatever it was, uh, you know, looked better than anyone had seen the movie since the 1950s. Um, and like there was, you know, there was this thing where they did, uh, on the original pressing of the disc, they put a restoration documentary on there, which showed what they did and showed like a before and after, like, here's what this scene looked like, you know, in the best print that Toho had. And here's what we did to it. And Toho actually made them pull that from circulation. So, like that that <laughs> that original version of that disc with the with the restoration ex, you know explanation was uh, is now you know super rare. Um, so yeah, they're they're gonna do they're gonna do that to to Godzilla. So it will you know, and if you've you know even the those those good. DVDs and Blu-rays of Godzilla that have come out, the Criterion version is going to look much, much better. Interesting. So, so why do you think Toho made them pull that? Were they embarrassed at how? Yes. They... Yeah, they were just they were just embarrassed. Um, that was all there was to it. Oh, it's a very Japanese thing to be. Yeah. Um, it was well. It, it worked out for me because I I ended up selling that DVD for like 150 bucks. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Physical media. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious to all of us that physical media is on its way out. 
You don't um, say. Yeah, I mean, I think Blu-ray is going to hang around for people like, well, probably more like me who are who are interested in extras and, you know, the best possible picture and sound. But, you know, even I don't buy stuff like I used to. Yeah. You know, I only buy, you know, ooh, a box set of Lord of the Rings I'll buy. But well, I think you and I are probably more similar in our you know, physical media needs and tastes than you might think, but for different reasons. You know, I am still buying physical discs, not because I want to have them in the house and not because I'm not willing to have stuff in the cloud, but my confidence in the cloud at this point is so low that, you know, until bandwidth gets a lot better and the service gets a lot better and there becomes more of a clear market leader. Yeah. You know, in, in like if I buy something on iTunes now for 20 bucks, you know, in five years, 10 years, whatever it is, am I still going to have access to that? You know, I have DVDs sitting around that I've had for 10, 15 years and I pop them in and they still play great. You know, like optical media is, is, is good enough that I'm not worried. Like, like with VHS tapes about, you know, degrading and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, it's still early enough days with internet stuff that, you know, I, you know, I, I want to have a copy of tangled around so that when, you know, Elizabeth says, let's watch tangled. I am fully confident that I can pull that disc down, stick it in the slot and it's going to work. Um, I, I understand that to some extent. I mean, I'm less worried about something like Apple ever pulling access to the stuff that you've bought from, from them. I mean, I think, Apple is a pretty stable company, obviously, here. It's not not about that, though. It's not about, is Apple going to be around? It's, is Apple going to be enough of the market leader that I am guaranteed to have something plugged into my television which is going to play Apple movies? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I have an Apple TV, um, and I have a PlayStation 3, which plays the Blu-ray discs, and, you know, like, I've got a couple of different widgets here um and you know i'm confident enough in netflix say that i'm always going to pay the eight dollars a month for whatever it is because i've got netflix hooked up to every tv not that there there are only two tvs in the house only one of which gets used but still you know everything that has a screen in this house basically can play netflix yeah i think i've got four things hooked up on my tv that can play netflix so you know (laughs) So the, the, the thing but, is... But, I mean, here's the thing. I'm more worried about Netflix. Um, you know, they're having to do the content deals with the studios, and that's not going that well for them. So entire large swaths of what Netflix has is, is going away. Right. And maybe, the, you know, they're working real... I mean, you, after the horrible, terrible couple of months they've had, you know, they're working hard to get these, get new deals in place. But, you know, I think it is going to be harder to find Tangled on, on Netflix in two months than it is now. Oh, I, I have no doubt that Netflix's content is always going to be subpar. Yeah. Like subscription services where there's such a small slice of, um, of of revenue there, like eight dollars a month. Even if you multiply that times however many, like however many millions of people who have it, it's not that much revenue that you can pay that you know comparable fees 
like a dollar a night, right, for uh, a DVD that you would rent from a Redbox. Yeah. Never mind the $5 a night that you would pay to rent it from a more premium source, you know, that gets it sooner. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not concerned about that. You know, there's always going to be enough choice for me on Netflix, particularly since I have watched mostly television shows on Netflix, that that, that doesn't concern me. It's when I start paying more money for this stuff, right? When I'm talking about the premium content that's new release or that I want to have and watch a bunch of times, like that's where physical media still has value. Yeah. So, you know, for Disney movies that are always going to command a premium price, I'm going to plunk down for the Blu-ray because I know I'm going to watch it 10 plus times and I know I'm going to want to have access to it right away. Sure. I mean, I, I, I think I think we're we're pretty much in agreement with that. In that, even though we seem to have slightly different concerns, I think. Like, I'm a little bit more concerned about Netflix going out of business, quite frankly. Well, there there will be some replacement for that. Yeah. Well, there will yeah. always be a like if if it's Hulu or if iTunes comes out with a low you know low rent you know subscription service, somebody's going to fill that niche. Um. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I hope so. I, I, I think so. I think so. Maybe the, it'll cost a little more. Maybe it will be 10 or 15 a month. Or, you know, maybe it will be the cable companies who step up and give you, you know, stuff on, you know, archive stuff on demand that, that's going to be out there. Yeah. So, so this was the problem. This was the mistake that Netflix made was that they were giving away the streaming with your DVD Right. With your yep. DVD subscription, they put such a low premium on it. Nobody they, thought it was worth anything. Exactly. They made the the value of streaming was zero, and that's why they couldn't raise prices when they needed to. Yes. I, I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough thing, and I think we're going to have at least one more shakeout before we we see what it it ends up looking like. Yeah, I wouldn't it's just. I yeah, would. Netflix is so convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is, and you know they they've still got a bunch of good content for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially when it comes to television, I've been blowing through all three seasons of Lie to Me. Yeah. You know about this show? Uh, the one with Eric Roth? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Same person. Yeah. So, no, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, good good show, you know, quality stuff, canceled probably a little too early, but, you know, that's what Netflix is perfect for. Like, I just want, I want to explore a little bit and let Netflix take me to something not that popular, but recommended for me and bang here's 48 episodes of something i'm really going to enjoy okay um but here's here's the thing that that irks me about the current state of um video rentals there is all the stuff that netflix instant has which is you know stuff basically nobody wants to watch right yeah then there is all of the stuff that itunes has or you know name your rental company of choice um or, or cable on demand, whichever. Cable on demand, whatever it is. But it's all new release stuff. Yes. Right? It's all stuff that came out after 2000, basically. So that leaves the entire history of really good movies that are completely unavailable on any, you know, um, online on-demand service. Yes. If you want to rent Hello, Dolly! or Oklahoma, you know, like the only place I was able to find either of those things on, you know, on a rental service was on Sony's PlayStation Store. And you couldn't rent it. You had to buy it for 10 10 or 15 bucks. Mm. Wow. Okay. And those must must have been Sony's in Sony's library. Possibly. Yeah. And the same thing for the Bond movies. 
Mm, you know, yeah. how many Bond movies can get on Netflix? I don't, I don't think any. I don't think any. Now that's also Sony's. Right. So where can you, if you just want to watch a Bond movie for rent, where do you go? Well, probably somewhere that's going to charge you. Maybe rent it to you for five dollars a night, or maybe make you buy it for ten. And there again, yeah. you've plunked down a lot of money to see an old movie, a good old movie, but you know that, that adds up to real money pretty quick. But also, you know, if they're making you buy it, depending on which service it is, it could also start taking up gigs on your hard drive. Exactly. You know, which. Exactly. Yeah. So we're still like Blu-ray still makes sense. Yes. And now we've talked probably what 20, 20 minutes about technology, which, as I recall, is something that we do. Yes. Well, you know, it's you know, it's kind of tough to separate that from from the media these days because yeah. you know. There are so many options now for how to how to actually see stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned that you you use Netflix, you know, to to discover new stuff, and you know, I tend to usually be looking for something very specific, which is perhaps why Netflix isn't as good as an experience for me. It's because you know I'll, I'll always be looking. Oh, I want to see Brides of Blood, and now I can't find it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm you. You're starting to worry me when you're talking about Netflix and content deals and stuff because, you know, I've sort of relied on them for the new Doctor Who reboot. Oh yeah. You know, when you want to go back and watch a couple episodes of that, Netflix is the place to go. And you know, I certainly don't want to spend sixty plus dollars on the DVD sets. I don't watch them that often, and I don't want them taking up the space in my house. It's it's sad the number of perfectly good box sets and whatever that I've deboned, just taken the discs out and thrown away the you know the the nice box and the cases and whatever. But damn, you know I got two kids with all their toys and their diapers and whatever else they need to stay alive. I don't have room for box <laughs> sets, you know. Um, well, I mean the most immediate effect you're going to see if anything that you watch where it has that stars thing up front. Mm-hmm. All of that is going away. Yeah, yeah. I knew the stars deal was in. I mean, how long yeah. did we think they were going to have Wally? Honestly, yeah. You know I that was just they—they they got that by a fluke in the in the Netflix in the stars contract, and stars was willing to take full advantage of it, and then Disney said, "Screw you." Yeah. yeah. As well, um, they but, should have, you know. Maybe. But you know, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a it was definitely a loophole, but still, it, it just means that there's a huge chunk of yeah. Of content that's going away, and that scares me. Well, and here's okay. Here's one of the ways that I think this could shake out, um, and that's what what I'm going to call the Roku box solution. And that is that you know each of these content providers could have their own streaming channel, you have their own app, or if they do it on the Apple TV, they might have their own app. Right, exactly. And yes. and then you pay ten dollars. I would pay ten dollars a month to Disney. For full access to their archives, mm-hmm. no question. That would, that would be a good deal. Yeah, I don't think that's the deal. A month, probably not. But ten bucks a month for sure. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that deal. I think you can. Why not? Why not? I uh, I probably spend about one hundred and twenty dollars in DVDs. Like I'll buy. Oh, I know. I'm not saying it wouldn't be a good deal. I'm just saying I don't think Disney's going to give you that deal. Why wouldn't they want that hundred and twenty dollars a year from me? Because well, they're gonna get the they're gonna get that money from me if they sell it to me as a Blu-ray disc, or you know they can count on like no matter what 
I'll pay them $10 a month. I'll probably even forget about it. I'll probably end up spending more money, and it doesn't cost them anything except to keep the service running. It's all content they already have, right? Yeah. And suddenly, yeah. you know, suddenly I'm I'm bringing revenue for the adventures of Davy Crockett or whatever, which I never would have watched. And and now that I have access to it, quote unquote, for free or that's paid for, I would watch it. So you know, I'm consuming more of their content. They're getting well, potentially okay. more money from me, like. I- I bet that they would try to break it, though, between Disney's catalog titles and their newer titles. Right. And make that separate from also ABC, which is also Disney. Um, sure. You know, I, I, mean, if they, I mean, if they were to say, I mean, yeah, the $10 for catalog titles would be well worth it. Yeah. I agree. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely like, you know, I, I think we're getting to the point where a la carte is going to become, you know, more and more of an option. Like right now they bundle things like I don't watch the golf channel, but I get the <laughs> golf channel. Right. Because yes. it subsidizes, you know, I'm sub, I, I, the food network watcher am subsidizing everybody out there who watches the golf channel and they're subsidizing me right back. It's, it's, it's a, you know, a better deal for the cable providers to bundle all this stuff up, blah, blah, blah. And Lord knows you can't get any of that food network stuff on demand. Yeah. You can barely even get it illegally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about cord cutting, you know, just, you know, doing the math of what I actually watch. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there there are only a couple of things, like there's no way to get Mythbusters in HD. Right. Well, explain what you mean by cord cutting. Cord cutting is just getting rid of cable and just only having internet. Right. And, you know, I could get season passes to The Daily Show and Walking Dead and quite a few other shows on the Apple TV. Yes. And if you amateurize, you know, the amount that a season pass to the Daily Show costs over the six months or whatever that the the pass covers, you know, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. Versus paying, you know, however much for for cable every month. Well, I mean, the, the only things that we watch on cable cable right now are the Daily Show and Food Network stuff. Food Network is the savior of anyone with a small child mm-hmm. because it's content that is interesting to adults but watchable by kids. You know, Elizabeth freaking loves Iron Chef America. Cat Cora is her idol. Um, she loves uh, Chopped. She loves all that stuff. And so that's why we're holding on to that. If it weren't for the Food Network programming and the odd, you know, like... If you don't have, well, I suppose you could do the over the air. If you don't have cable, I was going to say you can't watch the Macy's Day Parade on Thanksgiving. But That's the other. The air. Mm, true, true. I mean, that is the other problem, though, is sports Live and news, yeah. CNN, um, which, you know, anytime something goes wrong in the world, I try to watch CNN. So, you know. Yeah. yeah. Although with a good enough internet connection, you could stream that. You could, and you're right. You could do it over. You know, if you're if you're in a situation where you can have an antenna, you could you could watch some of that stuff over the air too. All right, I'm going to call time on on technology talk. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> we should have Evan as a, a segment of the show that lasts no longer than 20 minutes. Because um, as I recall, in the old show, we did this an awful lot. Um, but it's been a couple of years. We're, we're allowed to talk about it now. Uh, but let's talk about, about the, uh, one of the, the formats that we, we were thinking about doing um, for future episodes that are not just sort of general, what have you seen? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I thought it would be interesting to try to, you know, examine a topic in depth. Um, you know, some topic that, uh, you know, is, you know, probably, uh, you know, related to something that's going on right now in, in the movie world. Or maybe not. I mean, I guess it would depend on, on what's going on. Um, you know, if you want to talk about werewolf movies or, you know, and how those developed over time, something like that. So sort of a how stuff works for movie genres. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I'm totally down with that. Um, do you have a, a first topic? Not, not that we're going to do it right now because we're already at like 40 minutes, but um, do you have a topic for our first uh, in-depth episode? Um, I don't know. I mean, did you want to try to do – I mean, I know that we had talked about werewolves. I think uh, werewolves would be a great first yeah. run at it. Um, you know, I guess, you know uh, – probably should go see the new twilight movie at some point but uh oh, no, oh. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. some things i will do for audience but that is not one of them oh come on i've seen i've seen the first three if i can watch them I, you, you know certainly what? can i read the books that was my that was my penance oh. today see the, it will, then we're completely opposite i have not read the books um, but the, you won't read the books and I won't see the movies, so there's no way to compare how they fully, <laughs> how well they, they made the movies. But that, um, that's fine. Well, if you're going to see the movies, uh, the, the riff tracks is uh-huh. definitely the way to do it. What's well, so you take like an iPod into the movie and you. Well, uh, I, I don't know that you could do that. You, you pretty much have to do it on home video. Okay. Um, but the, the Twilight movies are just tailor made for riff tracks because and you know they make fun of this a lot in the in the in the in the riff tracks there are everybody pauses after every line of dialogue well i mean they're they're what they used to call soap opera moments right yeah yeah that everybody just kind of you know she says something <laughs> and then you know they say something yeah. then they pause and of course that's a perfect place for the riff tracks people to throw in a <laughs> witty comment <laughs> Nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny, uh, you know that and the, the entire content of the movies. Uh, you know, I I don't think you can understand uh, which movie was it. I guess it must have been the second one. Uh, I cannot honestly remember which one's which. Probably New Moon, uh, where the whole bit with Taylor Lautner taking off his shirt. Yeah. And you know, like. But people were making fun of it, and I honestly did not understand how blatant it was until I saw the movie. And I was like, wow, even the making fun of it is less extreme than the drop of the hat where he will take off his shirt in the movies. It's it's amazing. Hey, when that's what you're getting paid for. I, I guess. It was, it was still an amazing thing. I have never seen, you know, such blatant use of a naked torso in a movie before. Have you seen Melancholia? No, is that the... That's, uh, what's her face? Uh, Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten the new Dunst. Lars von Trier movie. Um, yeah, that's a 
That's a pretty blatant use of a naked torso, but it's it's actually totally appropriate. So oh, okay. she gets naked twice, and uh, one of them is fairly titillating; the other, not so much. Okay, is that the one where the the world, another Earth, appears in the yeah, sky? There's a planet called Melancholia, and it's on a collision course for Earth. Gotcha. Okay. And you don't really know until the end of the movie whether it's really on a convert, co- uh, collision course for Earth or whether, um, you know, they've miscalculated or, or whatever. So, um, from a sci-fi perspective, it's not... I mean, it's got some pretty spectacular scenes, but um, it's not what you would call a typical sci-fi movie. Yeah, I think that's something to see on video, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I saw it at Fantastic Fest on the big screen and was glad that I'd seen it on the big screen. Hmm. See, I don't think it. I don't think it's played around here. I don't know. Has it opened yet? Um, you know, I think it opens wide very soon. Okay. Um, so you know, after you see Arthur Christmas, and you're, I mean, let's do it the other way around. See Melancholia first, then go see Arthur Christmas, so that you don't end up killing yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, the the film's mainly about depression. Gotcha. So you know, it's very pretty, uh, but. Go see it with some Zoloft. <laughs> I see Super 8's coming out on Blu-ray tomorrow. Ooh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that movie. Yeah, me too. First thing I've seen in a while that um, uh, Spielberg's been involved with that I was excited about. What, not uh, not Transformers 3, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, J.J. Abrams, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think... I can't remember where it was I saw a quote, but someone talked about that uh, that uh, in J.J. Amos' movies, they uh, the special effects look real, but they smell like money. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure what that means, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> Just it, it looks very expensive and very, I don't know, like, like they sacrifice some realism for for, you know, being the biggest explosion or the, you know, the whole train crash where it seems like there must be 70 cars in that train and every one of them had to hit at least three other cars on the way down. Hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it was, it, the movie was just such a, a, a great recreation of Steven Spielberg in the 1970s that, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. All right, well, let's spend our last couple of minutes here talking, a segue from J.J. Abrams' movie-making to J.J. Abrams' television. Uh, okay. Um, are you watching Fringe? Yes, yeah, yeah, I'm watching Fringe. That's been pretty good. Yeah, it has been. Um, I really like this most recent season. Yeah, well, I think, um, they, you know, they go out of their way to shake things up every season. Yeah, well, and, you know, the big thing for me, this is just my personal bugaboo but you know in the first season when they started you know they had a bus stuck in amber and the whole global dynamics and william bell thing it was like oh god there's no way this can be going somewhere and it turned out yeah yeah it is actually going somewhere yeah it actually did make sense by the second season what was going on and once they did that you know then they can they've managed to have some pretty interesting storylines since then yeah um, and Person of Interest, have you watched any of those? Um, I think I watched, like, the first two episodes, and it lost me, yeah. so. Yeah, You might go back and, and look at those. Um, they, they do have kind of an interesting story arc going with, uh, um, 
the the cops who are trying to figure out who you know who uh, what's the Jim Caviezel is that his name? Yeah, Jim Caviezel. Yeah, who his character is and and you know what he's doing. How how he's hmm. so. Have you seen the Death Note movies? I have not. Okay. Uh, See, I I kind of got half a sense when I watched those first two episodes that they were going to go Death Note on it. Mm-hmm. Where uh, in, in Death Note, what it is is that there's essentially a character who gets a magic notebook that allows him to kill anybody by just writing their name. Okay. Um, and so he's actually using it as a vigilante. So, like, if somebody, if he sees on TV that somebody escaped, you know, got away with a crime, he'll just write their name down, and as long as he knows who they are, they'll die. And so, it's kind of the same thing. The police figure out that that there's a pattern here, that all these people are dying of heart attacks for no apparent reason. Gotcha. Um, And so, I kind of wondered if that was the direction they were going with the whole, someone's looking for the... That's, that they seemed like they were noticing the pattern. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that what they've been doing? Not really. No. 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 It's been a little more, a um, little more straightforward. Um, for instance, um, the the cop who's sort of investigating him um, is partnered with the dirty cop that he's leaning on. Mm-hmm. So he's using somebody inside, and he gets her placed in. He gets him. He gets his dirty cop placed in the same department that she's in, so that he can sort of keep tabs on her. But then, you know, the cop sort of reveals information about Caviezel's character. It's it's interesting. I, I wouldn't say it's mind blowing or anything, but it's definitely better than a lot of the crap that's on television. Back to J.J. Abrams for a minute. Um, am I seeing this right? Does he have like ten projects in development? Uh, that very well may be. I mean, Alcatraz is coming out sometime. Uh, that would be his next TV show. Um, so here's here's what I've got. It says, it's a sidebar on the IMDb. It says, Projects in Development. Hot for Teacher, Little Darlings, Untitled J.J. Abrams' Diamond Heist Project, Let the Great World Spin, The Invisible Woman, Micronauts, Revolution, Mystery on Fifth Avenue, Seven Minutes in Heaven, Infinitely Polar Bear, Boilerplate, Zambato, and Untitled J.J. Abrams' Billy Ray Project. <laughs> I don't know how many of those are really happening. <laughs> <laughs> you get it figured. At least, least half of those are just, like, Micronauts. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. That, you know they made a, you do know they made a, uh, a movie out of Battleship. The, okay, yeah, I suppose there is no, uh, there is no 70s, 80s franchise too obscure. Uh, you know, there's apparently a movie coming out of Asteroid. Apparently that's really going to happen. Oh, God. All right. Before I get too depressed, <laughs> you've been listening to the Stomp Tokyo, the cult movies podcast. I'm Chris Holland. I'm Scott Hamilton. And I've forgotten how we used to sign off on this thing. I don't so know. I'm just going to say bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>